So Holy Spirit, ask that you would please uh, help us understand how that applies to our lives and how we can spend this week getting closer to you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just before I preach, I just want to let you know that there are some great things going on in our children's ministries right now. And one of the things we would like to do next year is make a good program uh, even better. And our goal is that every child knows that Jesus loves them and understands them personally and that they, that they know that, that they can see Jesus in the life of at least one other adult. So what we'd like to do is we'd like to put a new emphasis on our children's small groups. And to do that, we need all kinds of volunteers so that our volunteers can actually shepherd our children rather than be ranchers of our children, you know, kind of herding them all over the place. So if you're interested in the bulletin, there's this uh, sheet that you can fill out. You can drop it in the offering plate or, or put it, uh, give it to the Get, Get Connected booth uh, out there in the lobby. You know, Scripture tells us that one of the most important things we can do is tell the next generation about Jesus. It's also one of the most rewarding things we can do because you are affecting someone's life forever and you're making a big difference. So I just, I'm asking you to prayerfully consider being part of changing some lives for eternity. You, you won't regret it, promise you. Okay, the sermon. One summer when our kids uh, were, were, were toddlers, my wife and I took them to the beach for a couple of days vacation. And the first day we were there, we just packed our schedule with all kinds of fun stuff to do. It was great stuff, but very busy. Well, by that night, my daughter, who was three at the time, just lost it, as only a three-year-old can, because she was so exhausted. And she started crying, and she started running around in a circle, around and around and around. And she said, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Somebody put me to bed. Made us feel like really bad parents that our three-year-old had to give us parenting advice. She'd had a full day filled with really good things, but there were just too many of them. And boy, howdy, if that doesn't describe a lot of our lives, I don't know what does. Lots of good things. We've got a lot of entertainment options, lots of food, lots of information, material comforts, all good things, but too many of them. And so from time to time, we start freaking out, and someone's got to put us to bed, right? Because the problem with too many things is it can lead to a life of stress, of busyness, of anxiety, but most importantly, there's no room in a busy life to hear God speak. There's no space for God. It's sort of like if you were standing outside Bellevue Square on Bellevue Way, there are birds that are chirping. You just can't hear them because there's too much traffic, there's too much conversation. But if all of that were to stop, you could hear the birds chirping. That's how it is in our lives. God is always speaking. We just can't hear it because there's just too many distractions in our life. It's like our life is like this bowl of rice right here, full completely to the top. And it's good. I like rice. Rice is good. It's good for you. I like rice. But let's be honest, chocolate ice cream tastes better, right? And if I wanted to put chocolate ice cream in this bowl, I couldn't because there's no room in there. And that's how it is in our lives. There's no space for God because they are too filled with all kinds of other stuff. That's why for 4,000 years, people who have wanted to experience more of God's power, more of God's presence, and more of God's joy have found a very helpful spiritual practice called fasting. Okay, right there, I just lost all of you, didn't I? 
right? Let's be honest, right? Of all the things you were hoping to hear a sermon on, I bet not one of you walked in here this morning going, man, I hope he preaches on fasting. I could really use a good fasting sermon, right? Like, right, that, that's at the center of what I'm struggling with right now. In fact, this week when I was writing this sermon, my wife asked, what's the topic? And I said, fasting. And she said, oh, ick, maybe I won't come. <laughs> Very encouraging. She has the advantage of having advance notice, right? You guys are stuck here, right? But wait, there's more, as they say in the television commercials. Do not, please, don't tune me out just yet, okay? I promise this is, will be good. So please don't tune me out or don't let your mind wander, you know, start thinking about what you're going to eat for brunch, ironically, right? <laughs> fasting, hmm, I'm hungry. Because there are two things that fasting is not. And the first is fasting is not a miserable experience, it wouldn't have been practiced for 4,000 years if it was. Look, God is a God of joy. In fact, in the Old Testament, God commanded Israel to have celebrate six feasts, but only one fast per year. That's a six-to-one ratio. God likes to party. And while the, in the Bible, God commanded certain people to fast at certain times, nowhere does God issue a blanket command. You don't have to fast. There's no command in Scripture that you have to fast. But it is highly recommended. Not to earn God's approval or love, you've already got that, but as a way of experiencing his presence and his joy. In the passage that we just read, Jesus says, don't look miserable when you fast. Not because he wants us to be phony, but because if fasting is done for the right reasons, that is, to get closer to God, not to impress someone else or as a rote religious ritual, well, then it leads to joy. In Isaiah, God says, if you fast for the right reasons, your light will break forth like the dawn and you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Now, even if you don't get all the illusions in that poetry, you get the gist, right? It's a good thing, and it brings joy. Second thing that fasting is not, and this is maybe even the most important, fasting is not just about food. There may be many things that we need to be fasting from. Now, in the Bible, it's true, the most common fast is from food, and given the ways that we use food in our culture to make ourselves feel better, fasting from food can be a very good thing. This weekend, my family and I were, were at my parents' house in the Tri-Cities, and at one point, my mom noticed that I had eaten a whole bag of cookies that she'd made, and as I had a cookie in my mouth, my mom said to me, you know, there were three dozen cookies in that bag, and I'm like, and your point? I, I'm just glad she didn't ask me, well, what's your next sermon on? Fasting. <laughs> we, in many ways, are a gluttonous culture that uses food as a kind of a, a drug, right? I heard a speaker once talk about how he was on a diet. He said, as a matter of fact, I'm on two diets. I find you don't get enough food with just one. <laughs> now, that's kind of where we're at, right, as a culture, right? Now, I want to be clear, fasting is not dieting. There are two different purposes. One is spiritual, one is physical. But in a culture where food is used as a narcotic to make ourselves feel better, fasting from food can be very spiritually powerful, and I'll talk about that in a minute. However, there are many other things to fast from as well. Things like self-criticism, or media, or busyness, or email, or checking Facebook every three seconds, right? or shopping to make yourself feel better, which doesn't really work, especially when you get the bill. There are many different things that we can fast from. Fasting leads to joy, and fasting is not just about food. 
What it is really about is that in our overscheduled, overfed, overmaterialistic lives, fasting is about making space for God and for the things that bring lasting joy. Fasting is giving up something natural to experience something supernatural and discover that less really can be more. Now, I know I just blasphemed American culture, right? Less can be more. No, more is more. More is always more, right? More is always better. Because that's who we are, a glutted culture, aren't we? Lots of information, lots of entertainment, lots of food, lots of material things, all good, but we're glutted. And that doesn't always feel good. Sort of like on Thanksgiving when you're in the turkey coma, right, and feeling all bloated. That's why we're doing this sermon series this summer on spiritual practices that can help us connect to God. And some of you may all have heard of, like prayer and how to pray and fasting and all that. And others that we're going to talk about may be kind of unique to you, like Letting go of control or friendship. Maybe you didn't think about that one as a spiritual practice. And none of these things that we're going to talk about this summer are obligations. They are invitations into ways of experiencing more of God's power and joy. And fasting, the one I'm talking about today, brings joy in four different ways I just want to touch on real quick. First and most important, fasting helps us experience Jesus. I and many other people who have done it can tell you that when you fast, you just, I don't know what happens, you just reach this different spiritual plane, and Jesus just seems so much more real. I can't explain it, it just is. Part of it is I think that, you know, you're doing without something that, that we think is impossible to do without, and Jesus steps in and starts sustaining you. I read a story about a man who decided to fast, and, and when he had told his five-year-old daughter what that meant, she said, you can't go without food, you'll die. And he said, no, I won't. I mean, look at all the people in the Bible who fasted. Abraham, Moses, Paul. And she said, yeah, and they're all dead. <laughs> That's kind of how we view it, right? I can't live without that. I'll die or it'll be too hard. But then Jesus steps in and he sustains us and that makes him more real. Another reason that I think fasting connects us to Jesus is, is that normally, you know, we have this illusion that we're in control and that keeps us from going to Jesus. We don't experience a need for Jesus. And yeah, we can control some things, but you go a day or two without food and you realize pretty quick that you are not in control as much as you think. And every time we feel a little weak from our hunger, it reminds us that we are not the creator, we are the creature. And we need God. And that helps us turn to him more. I know a woman who fasted for just one day with some people in her church and she wrote a blog about this experience. She said, you know, what struck me was how often I normally in the course of a day just reach for food to make myself feel better or for something to do. She said, but when I fasted, I couldn't do that. Instead, all I could do was pray. And for some reason, the weaker I felt, the more I wanted to pray. She said, if I'd had my normal energy level, I would have just filled, it all, filled my day up with more tasks to do, more activities. But my weakness made my dependence on God greater, and that led me to pray. She said, at the end of the day, I got together with other people to break the fast, and she said, that simple meal of bread and soup was one of the best I've ever had. And the simplicity of the evening, just keeping our focus on Jesus, each other, and worship was very powerful. When we were singing, I felt God's presence more than ever. I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to do it again? Because you see, fasting leads to feasting on God. Because in fasting, we stop seeking the gods we want and start seeking the God who is. Which is related to a second way that fasting brings joy, and that is it reveals what we really depend on. 
A writer named Richard Foster says that the first thing he learned when fasting was how addicted he was to feeling good and that he was hungry and that didn't feel good and he would do just about anything to feel good. Now, there's nothing wrong with feeling good, but if it controls you, you're not free, are you? The other day, I was on my front porch reading, and across the street, the neighbor had his radio on. Not loudly, right? But I could hear it, and it bothered me. So I started to think about maybe going over and asking him to turn down his radio. But then I thought, whoa, what is wrong with me? It's a beautiful day, right? I'm reading a book I like, but there's this one little thing out of place, and so I'm not completely happy. That's how much feeling good controls me. So I fasted from asking him to turn down his radio to get over my pickiness, right? If you can't be happy if you're a little hungry or cold or tired or if your vacation is ruined because the hotel air conditioner doesn't work, right, it shows what you really depend on. Which leads to the third way that fasting brings joy. And that is it brings us freedom. Because through fasting, we break free from the things that control us. On several occasions with several different couples. I have been doing marriage counseling, and one of the things I discovered that's interfering with their marriage is an excessive fear about their kids' safety, that their kids are going to be kidnapped out of the house or some other calamity is going to happen to them, right? And I've seen this in a number of couples. And, you know, to the point of, of having baby monitors on kids as old as six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and getting up over and over again in the night to check on them, and it, it, it interferes with sleep, with lovemaking, all kinds of things. So several times I've said to parents, here's your assignment. You are to go on a six-month news fast. No news of any kind for six months. Here's why. Because in the last 20 years, crime has dropped 30% in this country. But media reporting of crime has gone up 600%, making you afraid of crimes that aren't happening. So no news for six months to find freedom and perspective from all of that fear. A couple in our church just recently finished an 8,000-mile road trip around the country. And the wife told me that the whole trip, they didn't play the radio at all. They fasted from the radio. And they used the time together to talk to each other, to get closer together as a couple, or pray, or simply just enjoy the peace and quiet, because you never get that in life, right? She said, the only time that we didn't do that was to play one of your sermons, Scott. She said, it was terrible. We felt invaded, and we decided we'd never do that again. That was extremely affirming, right? But the radio fast brought a certain kind of freedom. I know many families who have fasted from TV and computer games for a week or two. And at first, the kids, they all complain. But then they discover the, the fun of playing outside or the joy of playing board games together as a family. Now, computers, uh, games, video games, TV, good things. Okay, but fasting from them for a season brought a certain kind of freedom. One of my addictions has been, I'm getting better, but one of my addictions has been I say yes to too many things because I'm trying to make everyone happy and so I'm always saying yes, right? And that leads to busyness and I'm always in a hurry. So for me, too often the answer to the question, do you fast, is of course I fast, right? I, I drive fast, eat fast, walk fast, talk fast, so I've been told. So for me, one of my fasts is slow. Say yes to fewer things, even if it annoys people and get some freedom from that busyness. Fasting connects us to Jesus Reveals what we depend on, it brings freedom, and finally, fasting changes us. Because it frees us from all the clutter in our lives, and it focuses us on the things of God instead. There's a woman I'll call Amy, who 
had a coworker named Sherry, who she judges kind of being shallow, superficial, irritating, right? So Amy's pastor, she was talking to her pastor about this, and Amy's pastor said, well, why don't you pray and fast for Sherry? And Amy thought, no way, I'm not going to do that. But then she thought, well, maybe if I fast, God will change Sherry, right? Like sort of a hunger strike to get God to do what I want him to do, right? Well, you can kind of tell where this is going, right? Amy fasted one day for every week for 10 weeks. And Sherry didn't change one bit. But it did an awful lot of good for Amy. She said, whenever I had a craving for a Twinkie, I realized why Sherry filled her life with false god things like clothes and makeup, empty stuff just to feel full. But who was I to judge? Because I was no different. There I was craving a Twinkie using food to kind of make myself feel better. She said, whenever I didn't join others around the lunch table, I I thought about Sherry's loneliness. And suddenly, over the 10 weeks, Amy began to get more compassion for Sherry, began to treat her different. The atmosphere in the office changed. Fasting doesn't always change the situation, but it does change us. I know another woman who fasted, and and every time she felt a hunger pang, God would just kind of call to mind all the hungry people in the world. And out of that, that led her to get involved in hunger relief in Ethiopia. And she's had all kinds of adventures going over there and being part of hunger relief. Fasting helps us get closer to Jesus. It reveals what we depend on. It brings freedom. And it can change us. And all of that brings joy. So what do you have too much of? What are you glutted on? And how can you fast from it? for a season. Maybe it is food. And tons of ways to do that, you know, fast for a day or two or a week. In the Bible, there's what's called a partial fast where you skip only a couple of meals or do something like eat only vegetables for a week or so or something like that. Or maybe you need to fast from something else like media or self-criticism or email or, or maybe you need to cancel something in your schedule to put something else in there that is more rewarding and more meaningful for you and for others. But whatever you fast from, make sure you don't do it just as some kind of religious ritual that you're checking the box on. Make sure it's about emptying yourself of one thing to create space and time for God in your life. When my wife and I first moved here to to take this job, every time we went back to California for a visit, I would just pack my schedule with all kinds of people to see. I mean, I'd been a college pastor down there at a large church, and I just packed my days seeing, seeing former church members. And the result was I was always gone. Now, I figured this was just perfect, right? Because Christina got to be with her mother and her sister, and they got to see the kids who were toddlers at the time while I was out seeing all of these other people. It was perfect. Question, do you think my wife thought it was perfect? Like, no, not so much. And she tried to let me know that it wasn't working for her, but I didn't get it until one evening when I came home and Christina was sitting in the middle of the living room floor with this look on her face that made me think, oh, crap. Something is terribly wrong, and I'm pretty sure it's me, right? So she said, do you think this is fun for me? I knew it was a rhetorical question, so I didn't answer. She said, we don't see you in Bellevue because you're always working too hard, and we don't see you here in California on vacation either, and I'm stuck here with these kids, and don't you think that once in a while I might like to go see someone? Don't you think that once in a while I might like to have a little bit of time off? And I said, then she said, so I have formulated a plan. When we come to California, let's prorate your time with other people. If we're here for a week, you get a day. If we're here for a day, you get an hour. And you prioritize who you're going to see. What do you think? And I said, great idea, dear. Right? Like, I'm not totally stupid, just 95% stupid. She imposed a visiting fast. 
Not that those relationships were bad. They were good. There were just too many of them. And there wasn't time for, and room for family and for relaxation and, and, and no room for God at all. And I realized that for most of those people that I was seeing, I was their former pastor. And the reason I was meeting with them was because I, I didn't want to disappoint them. I was trying to please them. Right? Not necessarily because they were my close friends. And that when I met with them, I was counseling them about their problems and their issues, which I like doing, which is why I have the job that I have, but it is the job that I have. So why was I doing it on vacation? Besides, by that time I was here and I was your pastor, and Lord knows you were a handful, right? I mean, <laughs> issues enough here to keep me busy till Jesus returns. So why was I pastoring them when what they really needed was to connect to a pastor in California. It was one of the best gifts my wife gave me. Because now when we go to California, I only see my closest friends, the people who encourage me, but more importantly, they point me to God and they help me experience Him and I do the same for them. And there's space for family and for friends and for God. But more than that, that, that little encounter forced me to start asking the question, well, why doesn't my family see more of me when I'm in Bellevue? And I realized I can't meet everyone's needs in Bellevue either. That's why I'm glad that this church has such a great staff and elders and, and congregation members so we can care for each other. So the visiting fast in California actually had ripple effects here in Bellevue and was one step in me learning to become less of a workaholic. And I found space for God, for the things that matter, and a little more freedom. So how can you experience the joy of doing without this week? What can you give up for a season, even if it's a good thing, to gain so much more? And then, as God promises in the book of Isaiah, your light will break forth like the dawn. You will find your joy in the Lord. He will cause you to ride on the heights of the land, and you will feast on the inheritance of your Father in heaven forever. You see, contrary to American culture, less really can be more. So Jesus, point us to those places where we are glutted in life, where we have too much of something and it's crowding you out. And Lord, teach us to give those things up, even if it's just for a season, to make more space for you. Help us to give up the false gods to gain the one true God. Reveal that to us, Lord, and show us the joy of doing without. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.